Welcome to Be All You Are, a Midlife Awakening Podcast. I'm your host, Kena Paranjape, the founder of All You Are, a women's lifestyle brand, an entrepreneur, writer, and mother. This podcast is all about stepping into all you are. It's about reconnecting to your inner voice so you can hear the whispers of your true desires and cultivate the courage to create the life that is meant for you. Your dreams are your soul's voice. They are worth your time and attention. Now head out on that solo walk or settle into a cozy spot with a favorite beverage and join me. I can't wait to meet you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are on episode 16. And today I sit down with Alicia Robertson, Alicia is a certified life coach who is also the founder of Lemonade Life and creator of Unwife, a flagship program that teaches women to thrive through divorce. Trained in mindfulness, positive psychology, and neuroscience, Alicia helps women to navigate divorce with grit and grace, become confident and informed decision makers, and create their best life. This was an important conversation for me to have personally um, having gone through a separation myself. But what I really love about Alicia's work is that it is not just the journey through separation or divorce that we are traveling. We are traveling on a journey back to ourselves. And it is about reconnecting to that inner voice that I speak about so much. It's about getting clear on what it is that we want for ourselves. It is about choosing love over fear, choosing possibility over fear. And you're going to hear a lot of these themes in our conversation. And whether you are happy in your relationship or you are contemplating separation or whether you are in the right relationship, um, or maybe you're mid-separation or you've just kind of completed that official cycle, which really never ends, (laughs) Um, this episode is really for you because, as I said, it's less about the logistics of what a separation means, and it's more about the journey inwards. It's the opportunity to take a journey inwards, and I am always one for saying yes to that. So I really hope that you will enjoy this episode. If you love it, please take a moment to leave a comment wherever you've listened to it, to share it with a friend and to rate it five stars. It goes a long way um, to reaching other women. And another thing before we get started, um, if we are not already friends on Instagram, please let's connect there. I would love to chat. I'm always in my DMs. I respond to every DM and I would love to get to know you. So you can connect with me at Kana underscore all you are. And let's tune in to the conversation. Welcome, Alicia, to the podcast. Kana, I am so happy to be here. And I absolutely adore you and your beautiful community. So it's really exciting. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I feel the same. I don't remember how we got connected, but I remember when I started to see what the work you do and the way you do it and the whole vibe. I just felt like we need to know each other. And of course, we connected and it felt like we'd known each other forever. It's so true. There's so many intertwining, you know, 
themes in terms of our stories. Mm-hmm. And um, I absolutely love your vulnerability and your authenticity. And I just really admire that because when I, I know that those are lifelines, you know, when I'm going through tough stuff or even when I'm not, and whenever I've heard what you put into the world for me, it does give me that moment to pause and reflect, be a little bit more aware and have a little bit more courage. So I love it. Thank you. That is so kind, honestly. And I mean, Alicia, you're doing such important work. Um, So you are a life coach that has, you know, kind of turned to pivot or not pivot, but focus on divorce and separation. And, you know, I have been through a separation myself. And I think you and I kind of bonded over our shared experiences. And I think it's so important that you are focusing on this because I think for a long time, women didn't have that, you know, they, people would turn to their friends, they may turn to their lawyer, which is not quite the same thing. Um, and to have somebody, I mean, I feel like I wished I'd had, I'd known about you when I was going through my experience. Um, and so I think it's, you know, I felt like I wanted to let everyone know in my community about what you do. Thank you. And it and it was a pivot. You know, I um, my background is executive coaching mm-hmm. and development, organizational development. And so there's a nice um, sweet spot as a coach, right? We get to be sort of like a, a Forbes article, smart, intelligent, witty, and a couple glasses of wine, BFF, confidant. And so it's really nice. Uh, we, we, you know, oftentimes people will say it's just so nice to get some information, the what, the why, the how, and move forward and make progress quickly or faster than they can perhaps in therapy or at the lawyer's office. And, and those are really expensive ways to work through it. Maybe we should raise our rates, eh? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Very expensive ways. It is so true. So tell me more about how you made that transition from, you know, more corporate work to doing this specific work. Tell me about that journey. So uh, I, I, I knew that there was something inside of me that wanted more in terms of approaching work, business, um, culture differently than the results-oriented structure that is available, um, and to bring more mindfulness into practice, and to be able to support people finding their sweet spot, their zone of genius, their talent. I just saw so many people that were burning out, um, come around 40s or 50s, am I going to do this for another 15 years? I've lost my purpose. I've lost my identity. I don't know who I am and what I want. And so it really was a personal crisis. And um, I really wanted to start to support teams in understanding what their strengths were. And so the interesting thing was when I went through my separation, my former partner and I were in business together. So I came out of the business. So there was this already desire to change how I was doing things and approaching things and then had this experience where I no longer had a job. (laughs) <laughs> because we were going through separation. Wow. Right. So through that- That's a lot. That's like, that's you're, you're, you know, you're leaving your marriage and you're leaving the career that you had. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, yes, that's a whole, you know, who am I outside of the labels, the titles, the infrastructure, um, even socially, I no longer had access to, you know, my dear friends and colleagues that I would see every day, team of, you know, 50 people that would- mm-hmm. Let me know my shoes were fabulous that day, right? And now 
you know, nothing. So it was a really, it was a really, really challenging time, but I decided to focus on what my next chapter was going to look like. And so I went back to school, uh, to the center of applied neuroscience to focus on neuroscience, positive psychology, and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like I said, I just wanted to bring this different lens to executives yeah. and to teams. And I was writing a book about my experience through separation and divorce because I didn't want women to go through it in such isolation and with the amount of shame and blame and guilt. And I just wanted to serve and help in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, what I figured out was through this journey mm-hmm. is that there is a need to support women who are going through this type of massive change. And so I support women who are contemplating separation and divorce, those who are separated and it is of their choice, and those who are separated and it's not their choice, and even more so those that might be divorced but still not thriving. So what I've really come to know through everything that I've learned is that people may come to me for the divorce, but the principles of coaching that I focus on are all in the emotional intelligence that is self-worth, healthy boundaries, communication strategies, and confidence. And for once, you know, for women, so many women, what I hear is I have lost myself, whether it's empty nesting, being a mom, a wife, Mm -hmm. right? A job, a career, all these things, the, the supporting aging parents and, you know, communities, we take on so much mm-hmm. and we finally get to a space, unfortunately, sometimes where it is burnout and crisis. Other times it's just an overwhelming awareness that something has to shift. I'm not living at my highest potential. And this is where the journey starts. The magic happens, right? Once you, once you have that awareness, you just, you do, you start to innately move forward. Yes. You know, it's so interesting too, because it does, um, a lot of this does feel like it starts as a crisis, but what it's asking of us is for, you know, that growth. It is asking us that maybe we're coasting for a while, but there comes a point where we're now asked to step forward into growth if we choose to, right? So how is this experience going to change us and how are we going to evolve and and have start to have that awareness around our self-worth or shame that we're holding on to or um how our self-image how we see ourselves all of these things often we don't face those things or we don't allow ourselves the beauty of going on that journey until we're almost forced to right through so some of these life events that happen yeah. which is so interesting and also helps us reframe some of those challenging times that we go through. I agree. And it it truly is human nature in terms mm-hmm. of how we deal with change and adversity and may or may not have the strategies to work through something in a resilient way or with a growth mm-hmm. mindset. So there is a lot of learning. And to our brains, it does have to register almost as life or death to be able to make significant changes, behavioral changes that are so hard. I mean, that's hard work. It's intentional work. Yes. Right. So it's, um, it's not, you know, when, when I I work with clients, always love to share with people behavioral shifts are incredibly hard and difficult, Mm -hmm. even the simplest of ones. And to get them to stick 
on average, I work with individuals. It's a year. It's a year because we have to undo the old patterning and practice it a new way. It's a real intentional effort. And there's a lot of, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, two step, right? So, you know, that's just, that's learning. The only way we can become competent is to really practice. So I I love that you're sharing that. It's so hard to make the changes. Yes, it is. You know what, Alicia, before we hopped on this call, we were, of course, talking beforehand and probably could have hit record earlier because we were already having a great conversation. Um, But we started talking about, and you also just mentioned it, the different reasons that people um, decide to separate or divorce. And so I wondered if you could kind of go through those again, like how, how everyone, because everybody experiences it differently depending on how it comes about. Yeah. So I would love to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. And I loved, we were talking about this profound awareness that you and I have the gift of having, having come to the other side, right? Mm -hmm. The only way to the other side is through it. And so we've learned the journey. But in my case, I was in this limbo state of how do I move forward, paralyzed with fear in the throes of grieving in terms of bargaining and denial, sadness and anger fearful of my children being from a broken home, fearful of losing my status, being rejected, abandoned, so many things, right? So it's a a massive, massive experience to start to unpack. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you and I were really talking about this profound awareness that, and some of the reason why I do the work I do, that was a year. It took a year of my life to start to unpack and understand these limiting beliefs and these fears that my ego was really taking over a lot of the time. And I just hope to share exactly what we're talking about. So, you know, people can understand it doesn't have to be a year of your life. Yeah. Right. And truly the reasons are staggering. There's so many reasons. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I see clients that are dealing with neglect, abuse, trauma, addiction. This is um, generational cycles that they're breaking down. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is honorable, honorable. Um, I see clients where they have tried for years and years and years to, I always use the analogy as, you know, to move the couch across the room by yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? The yeah. other person isn't showing up. And the thing is, they feel as though they might need a reason or to justify that they've done everything they can. Yes. And sometimes when they start to do more, they start to see some of the changes they've been looking for and recognize it's okay for it to be too little too late. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't always need to justify and to have a specific reason. And I see some people that have just themselves changed. They've evolved. They've outgrown. And it's quite simply, we no longer aligned on values and goals, lifestyle compatibility, and we no longer have intimacy. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of reasons that I see people. And I think that we all share the same feelings of shame and guilt and limiting beliefs and fears. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's face it, 
we didn't enter into marriage thinking it would end this way. And since we've never done it before, it's something we have no idea how to do. Yes. And, you know, speaking of that, like the idea of we didn't enter into marriage thinking it was going to be this way, I think we have learned so much about what a healthy relationship is. We have, at you know, when we are hitting those 40s, 50s marks, we are also getting to know ourselves more. And so even if there isn't something um, outwardly wrong, like something that, you know, is a, this is toxic or unhealthy or unsafe, um, I think that there is this evolution that we go through as individuals. And when we, if we get married, say in our 20s or even our early 30s, I don't know that we even really understand what we are getting into or or how or we have this sort of more fairy tale vision of what marriage is and how we've seen it play out with other you know whether it's our parents or other family members but we've never really defined for ourselves what we want need how should it feel right like we don't actually do any of that and then we're in it and we are growing, hopefully, and evolving and experiencing and learning. And then suddenly we're looking at our immediate family life and our immediate, you know, our what's supposed to be our closest relationship and wondering why it feels like such a disconnect. Totally. I remember so much of, you know, my work was unpacking truth. Yes. You know, understanding okay, this is my fear. It's perceived fear, right? There's no bear coming at me. So it's perceived fear. And it comes from limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs come from old, old stuff and likely lots of childhood modeling. Okay, great. So logically I get this, but still what now? And so I remember doing this exercise where I went back and I myself did a journaling exercise. I interviewed as far back as I could remember seeing behaviors and patterns in my family for everything, um, you know, self-care, conflict, communication, um, recreation and leisure, spending money, all kinds of things, right? And I was, I was blown away because it, right in front of me, everything that I was was everything that they were. Wow. And I never had, this doesn't mean it's a bad thing. No, it's just that's that right. I never had an opportunity to, to truly become an independent, self-actualized woman. Yes. Who could say, well, well, what is my truth on self-care, healing, health and wellness or communication strategies? Or I, it was all of my survival coping strategies that were still driving every single decision I was making. Yes. And so it was just this aha moment that allowed me to go, okay, I'm not even here to say that this is right or wrong or good or bad. It's just an option. Mm -hmm. But I am on the journey now of exploring what is my truth. Yes. Yes. That's so beautiful. Absolutely. So Alicia, what I found is that for some of the women that are in my group, what they are struggling with is they come to me with one problem or what they consider to be a problem, which is this sort of sense of feeling disconnected from themselves, of feeling like they've checked a lot of boxes and are successful on paper, but they don't necessarily feel like 
in alignment with who they are. They feel like something's missing. They feel like they aren't taking care of themselves. They feel like they're doing things for everybody else. And invariably, their relationship comes up. And oftentimes, it's what they struggle with is not that their relationship is bad, right? Like meaning unsafe or toxic or anything like that, but it's just sort of flatlined. And they felt it for a long time. And I find for women who are in that scenario, it's almost harder, meaning they struggle more with how do I handle this? And, and you know, there's a, a lot of, um, as you said, there's guilt because there's like, well, he's a good guy and, you know, we've been together all this time and we have children together, but then there's this sense of, but this is my life too. And I want to, I want to like experience life to the fullest. And in the end, that's my journey to go on. And it's very much this line that they are wavering over and, um, over and it, and it's slow, right? Because they are responsible because they do want to take ownership because they are thinking about their children. But at the same time, there's that tug, there's that pull towards something that might feel more expansive to some higher possibility for themselves in terms of an intimate relationship and a connection. And how, I mean, through your experience, how do you coach women who are in that situation? Right. Oh, it's such a great question. So I just want to share a couple things that came to my mind. One is like, you know, staying really accountable to thyself. So as soon as we start to get into, but what about the kids or what the kids are a great motivation, but they cannot be the only motivation. Right. And to know that if we're questioning this stuff, have an understanding that I think it's something like 13%, maybe less of the population actually has a plan and sets goals. So in order to get out of that anxiety and that stress, we really need to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Right. So to understand that's normal. Hey, you're not sure. You have an awareness. You're starting to see if there's a different way that this could 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 be done. And you start to explore. And also understanding that as we explore, we can only make the most informed, best decision for ourselves right now. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, we're roommates, and especially with there's so many different ways to do relationship these days. And again, there's no right or wrong, but there is what matters to you. So the exercise that that we walk through is to, and it always comes back to this, is to understand what our values are. Those three to five words that are your governing code of conduct. Mm-hmm. And so to be really crystal clear on who am I, right? What is my identity? Not the labels, the titles, other people's needs and wants. Who am I? And then understanding what is it that I want and knowing what I want and how I want to show up in control of my choices, my perception, my actions, right? This is how we have alignment and authenticity is that we clearly know who we are and what we want and that our actions match those things Mm -hmm. in every day. 
So the thing is, is that when we're newly discovering this, because for so many women, we've dulled the little voice, we've dulled the gut, yeah. we've ignored the the intuition. And so when I started this path, I thought authenticity, I don't know, I had to Google search it many times. I didn't mm-hmm. even know, what is this you speak of, right? You know, the, yeah. the wor- words that I was used to was you be selfless and you care give and you take mm-hmm. Selfless, isn't that a crazy word to be mm-hmm. selfless? Oh my gosh. Yes. Right? Who wants yes. me that? But here it's I was. a bad word. <laughs> it's a bad word. But because of these things that I was supposed to be, and I'm a good girl, you know, checking all the boxes, I'd lost myself. I'd lost myself because I was living according to everybody else's values. Yes. Instead of knowing who am I and what do I want. And so, quite simply, it's just this practice of finally prioritizing ourselves Mm -hmm. and exploring. And as we're doing that, when we prioritize ourselves, we start to practice those healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. and come out of a reliant or codependent concept, especially in relationships that have a lot of that, Mm -hmm. that we start to build our confidence and elevate our energy. And so what what it might look like today may not be what it looks like tomorrow this is an evolution yes and how do we how do that makes so, so much sense to me how do women have you found in your experience sort of crossed over through the fear right because i think what i experienced and i know that many other women experience is that even when they've they've done that exploration, they're starting to sort of feel more in alignment with who they are. They're starting to show up that way, as you said, and and starting to exercise boundaries and putting more of a plan in place. There's always that like voice of fear that can pull you right back, right? And so you feel like you, like you said, three steps, two steps forward, three steps back. So what is it that what is like the thinking or um the path that allows us to cross over onto the other side of fear so that we can like then actually make decisions, like be moving beyond um, how we're thinking about it, but actually make the decisions, those hard decisions that are truly what's best for us. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the simplest strategies, I do believe simple, sustainable strategies are the way to go, Mm -hmm. is to acknowledge the fear. To not be afraid of the fear. Yes. I was afraid of the afraid, right? I was completely, I, oh, I'm not ready. Well, you're never going to be ready, right? Like just, I'm so yeah. afraid. So then it's the simplest things like um, to just acknowledge it, to literally to say to your brain, isn't that interesting, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that interesting that I have this fear? And then as we've talked about, and it's out there, we have, you know, then strategies to unpack the fear, right? And as we've talked about the limiting beliefs and so on, and to start to understand you know, what is it about this fear that's showing up to allow me to understand that I have healing and learning and growth to do. Mm -hmm. But the other side of this is to also be very clear. Fear is perception and our brain believes what we tell it. Yes. So the thing is, is that what is this fear costing you? What is this fear costing? I just want to say that again, because I think That is such a powerful question. What is this fear costing you? And so many of us, when we say I'm afraid of, it's actually not that thing. Yes. Sometimes we can't admit the thing 
like for me, I didn't want to admit things like status. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to take my wedding rings off because it was pretty shiny rock. No. Gave me a lot of privilege and a lot of status, right? There was jealousy. There was, you know, there's some some deeper shadows here sometimes in these fears to work through. But, you know, we have to be able to take full accountability and responsibility for first acknowledging and having this awareness in a really, really, you know, truthful way for ourselves, but to take control of the thoughts. Yes. The feeling we can't control. The feeling comes up. Yes. It's there. Okay. But let's get into, this is for me, the mindfulness. I know there's a lot of buzz about mindfulness and, you know, what this can bring to our lives in terms of self-care. For me, the greatest gift of mindfulness was my control, controlling my brain, building the horsepower of my ability to just what you said, to stop all of that lizard brain in its tracks and just, what is this costing me? (sighs) And this is temporary. Doses of reality. We have to, right? Pain is temporary and I have done tough stuff. So what is this costing me? Is this really worth not dealing with temporary pain that is tough, but that I am capable of doing? Yes. You know, as you were saying that, that makes, that's so beautiful. And as you were saying it, I was thinking about how really what it is, is that we can't let fear lead, right? Fear will be there. It will be there, expected to be there, but you have to lead. You like that voice that's asking, what is this costing me? You know, that voice that's reminding yourself that this is just temporary. That is you leading yourself through your own fear. And I think that is so powerful and empowering, just this idea that we can lead ourselves through all that. It doesn't mean that we never feel it, right? But that the fact that we can truly lead ourselves through all of that to the other side, I think that's just such a beautiful thought. And it comes to mind, I think, what is that saying that the only way to starve fear is to take action? Mm -hmm. But again, depending on what we're going through and it's the tough stuff that I'm dealing with is grief and massive change and loss and times of crisis. Yeah. Um, Action, sometimes we we perceive or think that to be massive action. I've got to make the decision. I've got to leave. I've got, right, it's got to be this wholesale, throw the baby out of the bathwater, stick of dynamite in life. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. What? The the sustainable, accessible practices matter most. The yes. small wins build momentum. So what we're talking about here, the greatest gift to whoever I'm listening to, whoever's listening, is to take that pressure off of having to make the perfect mm-hmm. decision and to, you know, do the thing that that might be in the future or aspirational. But the action we can take is exactly what you just summarized, is to take control. Mm-hmm of the thoughts and the perception and our power to do what we need in this moment. Yes. Which is like the perfect next question to ask yourself is what do I need? Right. What do I need now? Um, That is, that would be like a, a great next question to ask, right? Because then it does lead you to most likely some kind of action, even if it is a small action, like I need to talk to a lawyer or my friend has gone through this and maybe I should connect with her. And because I've never 
cared before because it wasn't directly related to me. And and now I want to hear these stories. I need more stories, you know? Um, It could be the simplest thing. And, you know, it's funny because in my program, we talk a lot about um, connecting to our inner voice. And I think that is what we're speaking to right here is being able to um, have that awareness, connect to that higher self who can lead us through the fear rather than letting the shadow sort of lead us through or, you know, jerk us around, I should say. (laughs) Um, So what are some practices that you share to um, help us connect to our inner voice or that that you even use yourself? Yeah. A, uh, a lot of quiet. <laughs> to, it's hard to get quiet, don't you think? I don't know. I think it that is hard. as women, our brains are already complex and managing a lot of life <laughs> for a lot of reasons. So really just finding that quiet, finding self-acceptance and self-love. I'm perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. I am enough. I am worthy. And truly to prioritize myself in every day. Um, Because for me, it's the sustainable piece, the accessible and sustainable piece. And when I prioritize myself, my energy and my confidence lifts. Yeah. Not just because I'm doing the thing that helps me to heal and to be cared for, but because I'm I'm protecting and standing up for myself, I'm nurturing myself, I'm taking care of myself. Why do you think it's so hard for us as women to take that time to be quiet? It's funny because I think even in my groups, I'll often say, you need time for yourself. You need to carve out time for yourself. And I feel like, um, <laughs> you know, my women are very busy, ambitious. They take on a lot and they're like, Really? Like, they're like, so like resistant and a bit yeah. skeptical. Like, is that really the answer? It's time. Are you sure you don't have something? Uh, maybe I need to listen to a podcast. Maybe I need to read another book. Maybe there's something, but is it really? They don't trust it. And why are, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so difficult for us to realize that we need space, that we need quiet, you know? I think because as women, we've been programmed from a very young age to be the ones that to receive love and recognition, we need to produce. Yes. We need to make other people happy or to take care of other people. And I think just years of this people-pleasing, codependent, both dependability. I mean, we're also told at the same time, you have to serve and protect and care for, as well as your role is to dim your light, be quiet, and to find someone to take care of you. Like, is that holy what? Like, that is so confusing. So confusing. Like, no wonder our brains are like, well, I'm like, I'm really good on my own. (laughs) I'm able to take, but I, anyways, it's just, I just think that there is so much going on for us. But the thing is, is that the account, the accountability piece, okay, we can, we can identify these things and logically we get it. But until we take accountability for our own addiction to the hustle culture mm-hmm. and the superficial ways that we 
fill ourselves up and perhaps to the drama and the gossip. Mm -hmm. And, you know, until we really take personal accountability for this and our part to play in needing to receive things in these very depleting and exhausting ways, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll keep, because that's what our brain is used to and that's what we're comfortable with. And that's where we get our hit right now is to do all of those things at the expense of ourselves, that proverbial doormat. Mm -hmm. And so for some women, it clicks. Yeah. Okay. For others, it's let's just evaluate our lives and the patterns you know, how many times are we feeling burnt out, exhausted, foggy, anxious? This is a cost. This is costing us something. Yes. Perhaps there's time for change. And the other one that motivates women, I find, because again, it appeals to exactly what we're talking about, is this how you want your children to live their life? Yes. Oh, I use that constantly because right. I feel like it gets straight to the heart of it. And it's and it's so true because you know, in any scenario, if you if you have kids and you ask yourself, what would I want my daughter to do in this situation? How would I want my daughter to respond? It does call you forward. Speaking of leadership, right? It calls you forward in a way because now you're mom and you're leading and you take full responsibility mm-hmm. and care and love and all of those things into account. I totally agree with you. That's just such a powerful tool to use if you are a mother. Yeah, it's so true. It's mm-hmm. one of the, I spent thousands of dollars on packing this with my therapist, by the way. So I'm still a recovering codependent, people pleasing. But the thing is, I, I, I'm i not exaggerating. I remember with my therapist, I apologized at one point. I said, I, I think we're talking about this for the fourth time. Yeah. <laughs> because I actually could not understand the wheel of, I am only, I'm responsible to versus for, yes. right? Focusing on all that I could control. It was a big shift for me to go, what, what do you mean I'm not responsible for everybody's feelings and all of their things? And now I'm so much further along. And you know what this to me is? I don't remove power. I don't solve problems, Right. And so as soon as I find myself having a knee jerk reaction or, you know, and that feeling comes up that this is a right or wrong or I have an opinion or a judgment or a need to interject, it's a Mm -hmm. full stop. Yeah. And sometimes that's the only space for us as women. I think when we're living in the margins is stop responding. Yes. Just permission to be quiet. For women, I find the greatest learning and gift to ourselves is that we don't have to solve. We don't have to provide an Whoa. opinion or a judgment, right? We, it is the one thing, I know this sounds entirely crazy, but this is a thing we practice all the time in my community is acknowledge, validate, shut the F up. You know, like just give yourself that time and space to recover, to process, to to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And so this sounds for me in every situation, thank you for sharing. I sound like a robot still yeah. to this day. I, I, I can see that that upsets you. That's it. That's it. That's just, the end. Yeah. Just stick to what is real. I acknowledge that I've received something, right? And just mirror back what it is. I can mm-hmm. see you're angry. 
This is as simple as it starts sometimes just to give women some space. Because you know what happens to women? They think when we tell them, well, we need to take time for ourselves. Where did we already start going? I don't have time to add more on, Hmm. to go to the gym, to go to the Yeah. Right? Kena, you and I both know, actually know less is more. Yes. What we're about to ask you to do is do less. Less, exactly. Oh, it is so, it is, it is actually fascinating to see even, you know, the journey that women go through because at first they'll say, oh, you know, we have a homework every week and it's half an hour, maybe at 45 minutes at the most. And they'll say, I didn't have time to take 30 minutes for myself. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, I'm breathing. (laughs) We're early on We're you know, I've, I'm, I'm here. I'm making space for everybody. I'm just going to receive it where part of me feels like, you know, pouncing on them. Like, what do you mean? You don't have 30 minutes for yourself. But within a few weeks, they're saying things like, I was at breakfast and I've been complaining that I don't have time to exercise. It's like adding, I need to add the exercise, like you said. And meanwhile, they're racing around getting everybody's lunches ready, even though their kids are old enough to pack their own lunches. You know, they and then then what happens is that seed is planted, and uh, the next week or the week after that, their you know spouse is saying, "I didn't want this for my lunch," and their daughter is saying, "Where's my water bottle? You haven't cleaned it yet." And she just stopped it all and said, "You're." getting your own new water bottle, you're repacking your lunch, I'm going to the Peloton. And she just left. And it was like, sometimes that's the evolution, but it starts with that, you know, that that seed being planted. And I agree with you, it's about the doing less of first. Because, yeah. you know, here's the cautionary tale, which I can speak to. But, you know, the thing is, is that um, the cautionary tale is, if you're someone who's worried about losing your marriage, you need to stop doing all this stuff. Yeah. If your husband signed up for a mother, then essentially you're launching a child. Fine. Launch the top child, right? Like this is you, you've done all the things and now he's independent and capable because of you. I know that we use some toxicity around, but I sacrificed everything. I gave him everything. I did everything. Well, like it or not, it was the codependent dance that you were in. And mm-hmm. right. So because he didn't sign up for a mom, if, if we're lucky, he didn't sign up for a mom. He mm-hmm. signed up for a person he wanted to hang out with because you're, you know, you have fun and you have yeah. intimacy and mm-hmm. right. And you want yeah. to be together. So that's a cautionary tale as well as, you know, the other cautionary tale is this is not a matter of if it's when. If yeah. as women, we continue to do this dance, there will be a crisis. Yeah. In my situation, it was my marriage. I have clients who have extreme health issues. Um, there are many examples where this catches up. Uh, yeah. Perimenopause is probably the, the last sort of check because again, we just, we can't do all the things we ha- we yeah. have to start pairing back mm-hmm. because we're not well, we're not healthy yeah. and something's got to give back to when we were saying, what does this cost you? Yeah. So is it costing you your health? Is it costing you your marriage? Is it costing you freedom, joy, peace? Yes. I hear all kinds of things, being a present mom, you know, knowing who I am, living my highest potential. Mm-hmm. It is costing us. Yeah. And that cost is an emotional block that will become illness 
or other life crises. And I can just only say that this is probably the most liberating, but sad for some of us, we, we recover, but others not, is that for all women that I've heard that go through crisis, they're so thankful for their crisis yeah. because it was the first time that they were either forced or given permission to take care of themselves. Yes. And, you know, that's the, the really, really sad thing about our society and our culture for women that I think is a crisis for women where we ask ourselves, how can people say they're, they're, they're thankful for their crisis, that they wouldn't have changed their crisis for the world? Because as women, we're not supported to prevent that crisis from happening. Oh, I know. My goodness, it's so true. Um, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I know that Dr. Gabor Mate, who I'm sure we're both fans of, he speaks directly to this and specifically to women. And he and he speaks about women who are nice and how he I'm gonna botch this story, the specific story, but basically he was saying that there was a study done where um there were um, patients who were coming in with specific autoimmune symptoms. They were mm -hmm. testing for some autoimmune disease. And on the file, as they were the nurses were recording the symptoms, they would actually also note whether the patient was sort of extra nice, like mm -hmm. extra just like people-pleasing nice, you know? And the ones that were, were more likely to be get a positive diagnosis. Wow. And it, it was just this idea that they were bending over backwards for everyone else with little care for themselves. And it actually did make them sick. Yes. You know, yes. and I want women to hear that. Like, yes. I want them to hear this conversation and understand that this isn't just about nice to have or it's not just about joy, it's about your well being. Um, yeah. Because you and I had to face crisis. Yes. And maybe, maybe it doesn't have to get that bad Yeah, for right. us as women to wake up. And I think that there is much more awareness coming to this, right? Mm -hmm. This conversation, there is an awakening. I like to refer to it as that breakthrough, right? The breakthrough is the beginning. Yes. And it is the beginning. It, it is. is. The beginning. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, because I talk about this when we talk about dating, you know, in our forties, you know, but it's like, um, it's the, it's the opportunity to be able to course correct faster, mm -hmm. right? Pip, no longer making excuses, justifying poor behavior, right? Pivot. And so the thing is, that starts with us though. Yes. It's not, it seldom has anything to do with other people. Mm -hmm. If we can't call our own selves out on our own shit, mm -hmm. how are we going to demand and expect from others with yes. clear boundaries yes. and call them out or remove them as necessary. Yes. Including yes. our children, by the way. Yeah. I talk to women all the time. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but your child sounds selfish. selfish yeah. And they're not being nice. Yes. And you're enabling that. And yes. you're enabling yeah. that or accepting it. Yeah. And yeah. this is your choice, but this is the level of accountability that 
we're talking about. Yes. Is that what was my part to play in this? Boundaries are for me, not for Mm -hmm. other people, Mm -hmm. right? I have to be able to express clearly what matters to me and how I desire to be treated and what I stand for. Yes. And that's with every person in our life. This is also the intentional practice. This stuff is exhausting. There are times when I'm like, can I just stop practicing for a few days? Mm-hmm. Because it requires vetting every thought and every interaction. And for those of you listening, it gets easier. I was just about to say, it gets easier. It gets so much easier. Yeah. And, and once you get through that painful part, it feels awesome. Yeah. You feel it like you you feel like you are showing up as your true self for the first time and you are only you just feel like you're at the beginning of this adventure of getting to know yourself in a in a way that feels exciting and full of love and you just attract more of that into your life and life feels a little bit and then a lot easier. And by the way and 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 Kana you you tell me I see with clients tangible differences yes within a month yes yes it doesn't have to take long that's right it, it does not this is not you know again what you and i are talking about is is this mindful mindset shift in perspective that allows us to have awareness to simply and effectively you know start to make what matters daily yes Yes. And that's, it's, and, and then it does, then the beauty of that is this isn't about, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in three months and go to the gym every day. That is way too much. You know, when we're doing goal setting, I'll say, well, okay, what are your goals? And these are some of the goals I will hear. And I'll go, okay, wait a second. (laughs) That's just, you know. The stuff that we're talking about, I know for, for, and I hate to use labels in terms of type A's and, Mm -hmm. you know, busy and whatever, whatever that is. But for those of us that really are on this, you know, very highly productive results oriented, um, you know, need the quick hits and and gratification and all this is, this is, we're saying there's an easier path. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there absolutely yeah. is. There absolutely is. You know how many gym memberships I signed up for and basically gave them my money. <laughs> Guess what? I don't like working out. <laughs> There's another way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love it. Okay, Alicia, we are coming close to the end of our time. Um, so as you know, the podcast is called Be All You Are, a Midlife Awakening Podcast. And I think I, the reason I wanted to speak with you was, well, first, because I love the work that you do and because we connected on such a wonderful level, but also because, um, you know, I think women do come to the realization of what is happening in their relationship or what they feel in the relationship at around the same time that they're having. It's sort of like all woven together, right? That they're waking up to... um, you know, what's missing from their lives or, or feeling disconnected from themselves. And this all happens at the same time. And, and I think that's why we see a lot of women in their forties, you know, I think that's probably the peak age where the, where marriages, you know, start to face some challenges. Um, but the podcast is really about being all you are right. And that being all you are can lead you 
down a journey that includes facing some challenges, right? And knowing that on the other side, your vision, even if you don't realize it, maybe your soul's vision is for you to be all you are, you know, like your soul and your spirit wants to see you continue to evolve and to and to realize your full potential, whatever that is, and to continue growing and loving and all of those things. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think it means to be all you are? This is such great timing. Do you know that I never like to read books for a second time or watch movies for a second time? There's very few. There's a few mm-hmm. that I will do. Mm-hmm. But I am reading The Alchemist the second Ooh, time. I have that back there. Yeah. yeah I, I just read okay. that. Right? Yeah, and, and and this book is all about your living legend. Yes, right. And so, and in this book, and I, what really is resonating with me is that through it all, the tough stuff is what matters to get you to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So don't minimize or see that it's too much or it's too painful or that you know I'm too old or I. I, I, you know, I, this, this transition, I'll just settle for the comfortable, you know, nothing, nothing came from the comfort zone. And I really think that living your best life means that you are positive. You have a growth mindset and you have mindfulness. And I think that if we have the courage to navigate the tough stuff with an open-mindedness to healing and learning and evolution, mm-hmm. that this is how we be all we can be. Mm-hmm. And it never stops, right? That also is a journey on purpose because sometimes we think, well, when I just get here, then I'll have, or when I just get there. But being all we can be is always growing. Yes. And it's always in the moment, right? It's like asking ourselves in every moment. And that's where the mindfulness piece comes in is in every moment is asking for our highest self to come through and to lead in that moment, right? Yeah. Trusting our highest self, mm-hmm. seeing the signs, being open and available. Um, that notion of readiness, we're not ready the way we think, right? You seldom get what you want, but you get how you feel. Yes. And so I, th- I think that for, for women in particular, this is why for us, community is medicine, right? And we have, there are correlations that um, we positive, the ability to positively work through traumatic events and life stages mm-hmm. and have life satisfaction beyond is this ability to have community. Yes to have support for women. Yes. For women that really, really matters to have the right people on your team. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Alicia. I loved our conversation. I feel like we could have a part two and dive even deeper, but uh, I'm really, I'm really glad to have connected with you and to hear your personal story as well as how you are really helping women to be all they are. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved our time together. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you found inspiration and use this podcast to start stepping into all you are. 
To hear more about the podcast, follow me over on Instagram at Kana underscore all you are. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're loving the podcast, I'd be so honored if you go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Until next time, remember to keep exploring what it means to be all you are.